I'm going to tell you a bit of a story today. So I'm going to talk about the stories and the power of stories and why we need better stories and we need stories that tell the action of what we need to see, right? Um, because when we believe in the story and when we can take action on the story, that's when new opportunities arise, right? So let me give an example of a story. Here's a story, right? What story does this tell you? That's a $100 bill, right? Really though, it's a piece of paper. I mean, look at it. It's actually net... I mean, it's nothing aside from the story that we tell about it, right? It doesn't have value unless we believe in it. And we have to understand our language is incredibly powerful, right? Think about the word belief. It's almost like be and life together. And you're speaking become life, right? Um, when you think about believe, be live, be alive, right? Like. When you add your belief to words and ideas, it becomes more real. And stories are so powerful in how they shape our world, right? Uh, if you think about it, stories, uh, movies, all these little things, right? Think about the words television. Tell a vision. It tells a vision of reality that it wants you to see and it wants you to believe in. And we gotta get our heads around the way that we talk is going to make a huge difference in how we understand things. And we gotta get better at speaking a new action-oriented idea in which we can go to. Because too often our language doesn't tell us where to go and it doesn't tell us what to do. And it doesn't tell us what will the world look like when we change. Like I wanna see the opportunity of what happens when the world's different. Like here's a problem and we need to stop this. Okay, great, now I stop this. What happens now? What happens new? What happens different? Like, what does the world look like when I do these things? We need to get better at this stuff. So let me give you my first example of what we need to think of when we think of, you can't just say stop something. You gotta say start something. And you gotta like speak the opportunity of believing this new paradigm into reality, right? So um, there's an idea of like, well, let's just not be racist. Right, I'm gonna be not racist. Okay, how are you gonna do that? How are you going to do not racist? What is the action in not racist? Where do you go with that? How do you help with that? Right, because the language communicates a real difficult reality with racism, right? It assumes uh, racists are bad people. It assumes if you're a nice person, you can't be racist. I bet you some like some of the horrible things that we've seen from people on TV, right? Some of the 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 worst of the worst when you've seen police brutality. I bet you those some of the, those are some of the nicest people at home. They tell funny jokes. They're sweet to people, right? So it's still possible to be nice and do acts, especially of institutional and systemic racism, right? Like. Like, and everybody's like, well, you're saying all cops are racist. People are I'm like, well, there's not a lot of people actually saying all cops are racist, actually. Like, what they're saying is that the police force for too long has been a historical example and institution of keeping a systemic racist policy in action, in power for too long, right? Um, if you don't know, 
the history of the police force descended from slave patrols. Like, that's where police came from. Patrol. I'm on patrol. Slave patrol is what that was, right? Um, uh, like, overseer. Again, it's another like word, right? Overseer. Officer. Do you see the connections? Do you see the words? Do you see the history embedded in the words and the problematics with the words? Overseer, officer. I'm on patrol, slave patrols, right? Do you see the history of language and how it shapes the problematics of the reality that we're experiencing, right? And when I uh, say this, you got to think how you can't do a don't thing. You have to find a way to make an action with a do thing, right? So you're like, well, I'm just going to not be racist. How do you plan on not being racist? Because sometimes the like, stuff you watch on TV is racist. If you watch like Law and Order, like look at who the criminals are. You're supporting like a problematic frame in this tell a vision that doesn't tell a different way of being or interacting. And it tells the story of how great the criminal justice system is, how great law enforcement is. It tells like, and it says like, you know, let's put the bad guys in jail. Like too often we don't think like, well, why is this happening anyway? What could we do so... Like, I don't think any happy person wants to steal, hurt, rape, punch, murder, whatever, anybody. But we're not, like, making sure that we solve problems that happen in the first place so things didn't, these things don't happen later on. We need to figure out how to give people the things that they need first. And then we're not going to see the same outcomes. But instead we try to enforce and force and force these, like, laws... And some of these laws, I mean, do we break the law all the time? Everybody breaks the law all the time. If you drive a car, I guarantee you break the law a lot, right? And like now, we were seeing like a whole bunch of cities are adopting the mask policy, right? The same people that I see are saying like, well, just follow the rules. Just do what they say. Just comply. Uh, just make sure you're not breaking the law and you got nothing to worry about or running around today the first day it's enforced with no masks on even though it's the law like <sighs> like there's no do people need a do they need to see the story of a do they need to understand do right so we need to move like let's start with that example let's look at not racist there is no action with it okay now let's let's make words that have action with it like let's look at being actively and intentionally anti-racist right now that means i'm looking around i'm listening i'm trying to see when stereotypes happen i'm looking for discrimination i'm looking for a sense of prejudice i stand up from people are marginalized right now there's an action involved now i'm looking for things to do now i have an identity of someone that does something right if i'm rowdy the anti-racist like, there's a certain expectation of what people can expect from me because this is something that I actively do, that I actively engage in, that I make sure I put my time and effort towards. Right? Do you see how it's a do? Now it's a do. There's action language embedded in it. And in institutions, all institutions suffer from systemic racism. Like, I have a friend who's in Nigeria who has, like, one American friend that told him that there's no problem with systemic racism in America. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, there was problems with systemic racism in Nigeria, and I can tell that's true because I'm not even white, and everybody thought I was awesome. And I was the one person that looked different. Everybody treated me nicer than everybody else next to them. Do you see, like, how, like, systemic-ism is in things? 
But like people, we, we tell people these stories and then that story becomes a reality that people go out and perpetuate because they keep telling these stories over and over again, right? Like it's amazing what language does to create and shape reality. You do not develop memories. You don't remember things till you have language for stuff. And if you don't have language for certain things, you can't have outcomes that you would hope to see, right? Remember, we all come from indigenous people who lived in small tribes um, and there used to not be police. We just took care of stuff together. We just figured it out. We just like looked out for each other. That's what we did. We didn't need police. And it's funny because like when uh, I look at language and I look at the problematics of language, I see the problematics of language happen in new ways, right? Just today, I consider myself Rowdy, the inclusive activist, right? I, um, I see myself as a male feminist. I want to speak up for women. I want to make a difference for women. I want to smash patriarchy uh, because I even understand that patriarchy hurts me as a man. I get that, right? But how did I think about this role before? <laughs> well, I thought I was Rowdy, the male feminist. But where was my action? I didn't think of like what action I needed to do that was most important given this privilege of being a male, being masculine, being cisgender, being heterosexual. I didn't think about what's the power I have to create and shape reality as someone that's still affected but still in power within patriarchal systems until I thought, I need to be rowdy, the anti-misogynist. Like, I need to be anti-misogynist because too often men just think about, okay, well, I don't rape anybody, so I must be doing all right. You're not doing anything. 98.86% of all rapes are committed by men. So who's got a problem with rape? Men. There's, it's a, it's a, something that's happening within masculinity that like men need to take on to fix. And it's not enough just to not do a horrible thing. That does nothing. Like, there is no action in a non-action. Like, I have to find a way to create and shape and do a new action to create a new story to create a new reality, right? So if I'm Rowdy the anti-misogynist, that means like if there's um, problematic statements that are said by men, I take that stuff on. If uh, men are degrading women in different ways, or if women are making fun of trans folks, like, like now as a role, as an anti-misogynist, like I speak up and I say something. I have, a, I have an action that's involved in things, right? Because now, like, I am responsible for doing things, not just responsible for not doing things. Because here's the other thing. Sometimes I do stuff. Sometimes you do stuff. Like, if you're a white person and you're afraid to have conversations about race, it's because you're afraid that someone's going to think you're racist. And here's the thing. It's hard to not be somewhat racist in the society that we were brought up in. Everybody, to some degree, is racist. Like, if you know a list of negative stereotypes about a group of people, like, yeah, man, you're racist because you know that stuff. It exists in your brain. Just because you don't say it doesn't mean you, you don't, you're not affected by it. Like, it, it still takes up some real estate in your brain. And, like, these things, these, these patterns, they play out in movies and TV shows. And, like, when we're worried about stuff, right? Like, when we're like, oh, I better hide my $100 because someone might steal it. Like, when you have that thought and someone of a differing racial identity is in front of you, like, you're kind of dealing with some racist thought, right? Like, and it's, a, 
It's not good. It's not what we want, but it's something that we need to own and it's something that we need to take on. Like if we can own and take on that we have these thoughts, these problematic thoughts. And again, if you think you are not racist, Harvard implicit bias test, check it out. If you think you're not sexist, Harvard implicit bias test, check it out. C, like it's just reaction time and association stuff. Like if you think you're truly just a good, nice person, you never do these things, you don't have any problems, check it out. Because I am very active in what I attempt to do to help folks. When I first took the Harvard implicit bias test, I think I had a moderate belief that white people were better than black people. And I needed to go hang out. I needed to make friends. I needed to understand blackness. I needed to read books. I needed to be exposed to a whole bunch of different things just to shift that. And now, like, like I only have a very slight favoring for white people over black people, but I still got a problem. And you see how like owning that problem gives me the ability to take action and do something different because I become aware that there's something to fix. Now, what I still got a lot of work to do is on the whole area of like that I think that I associate women with family stuff and men with work, like, like work out in the field. Like I need to do a lot of work on that, right? I probably got a lot of ableist stuff in me and thinking that able people are better or smarter or whatever. And I know for sure, like when it comes to body image stuff, it's ugly. It's ugly in here. It's bad. Because I give myself a hard time just because, like, I put on a little bit of weight. Like, some people can't lose weight. It's just medically not possible. And I run around with these thoughts, right? Like, you need to take action with stuff. And some of the problem right now is we're telling stories, and I don't think the stories create the reality we need to see. Right? So being critical, looking at my folks, right? We'll say, let's not be racist, or uh, I don't want to have conversations about race because I don't want to look racist. Well, if you're anti-racist, you're going to expect that you're going to make up some mistakes in fighting this thing because we know that it is something that it, it lives here. It lives within us. We struggle with it. We work with it. And then we can communicate the fact that we're struggling that with other folks. And we can help other folks understand where we've fallen, where we've had breakthroughs, where we've had breakdowns. We can talk about those things and we can begin to shape the new reality. We can look at the progress to get to this new space and place because now we're active. We're in the process. Uh, we stand up for folks. We like flex the like respond well muscle over and over and over and over again to where we don't get too scared to say things because now we've practiced being bad because it's, you're going to be bad at being anti-racist at first. You're going to be really bad at being anti-misogynist at first because like sometimes you're going to be like, oh my God, they said something misogynist. Like you're going to just need to train yourself to pick that stuff up in the first place before you're going to have the, a shot at even responding to things. Like we need to change stuff. And I'm going to give you a great example where we need to work on changing things better, right? This whole conversation that we have about defund the police, where's the action in it? People say there's an implied action. There's an implied action to defund the police, right? We take those funds and we reinvest it in the community. Now imagine you live out in the middle of nowhere and you hear defund the police. Where do you hear action in that story? Like, where do you hear like the new opportunity or the new reality? Right? And say people are like, okay, I'm on board, right? You got me with the Black Lives Matter thing. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be in the fight. I'm ready to be there for you. I'm ready to have the difficult conversations. Here we go. Now you hit me with defund the police, right? And this is the first time I've ever even heard that idea. 
And I've seen people try to have these conversations with some of these folks online, and they're like, well, here's the book I read. I don't know that that works. If you can't articulate the future to this person in a way that like shows them the opportunity of the new way of being in at least like six to 10 lines, then I don't know that you can advocate because you can't tell the story of where we're going. And they're like, well, just read this book. They're not gonna read the book. There's no way they're gonna read the book. Like, come on, you just like hit them with, what do I do if something happens in the night and I gotta call somebody? <laughs> I, saw, I heard uh, Trevor Noah say, we figured this out before with paranormal issues because we used to call police when there was ghosts and now we call Ghostbusters, right? It was funny, but it's like, you know, now there's like a new like idea of what could happen you know, because if there was ghosts and we call Ghostbusters, we don't go, I call, call the police because there's something else that helps with that, right? Like, um, say there's like a homeless person around your, your, your house and you're like, oh, I don't like this homeless person being here. Like, what if you could call and give this ability, give the ability to give that person a home and food and be put up and then like potentially get plugged into like work rehabilitation programs, work programs, like uh, if there was any type of, I'm not saying homeless people are on drugs, but if there was any drug issue that they could do something about that, right? Do you see how like, that's so much better than calling police? Now see, instead of it's just defund the police, I think we need to say defund the police and refund the community because refund the community tells us where we're going and it tells us where we want to spend our money. It tells us where we want to show that we have value. It, tell, it articulates a future. It articulates an opportunity of where we can go and what we can do with that, right? Like, because I worry like the defund the police thing because it doesn't have a do associated with it other than just take resources away and not to where to reallocate or how that would work or what that would look like and how much better that system would be. Like, when I talk to even police officers, and I say, wouldn't it be cool if we rewarded you when everything was fine, because what we really want is active peace? They go, yeah, yeah, that would be awesome, I love that. Like, I hate going from call to call to call. Like, I hate being stressed out, I hate being like, like overwhelmed with the amount of things I have to respond to over and over again every night. Like, I hate the fact that, like, I'm fighting for all this funding, and, like, I think, like, one of the last times I checked in the city of Phoenix, there was all this money to hire new officers, but they couldn't get anybody to apply for the job. Because the job inherently sucks. And, like, the rewards for the job don't work. Like, I don't want you to come when I call really quickly. I want to not need to call you. Do you see how that story communicates something so much better for me as a community member as well as even police officers potentially? Now, I'm not saying I haven't communicated this to police officers and they haven't been like, that's stupid. I have heard that. But I've also heard officers that go, God, that'd be nice. I could just make sure things are cool. Like I wouldn't have to mess with anybody. I could just be around and like every time like there's an issue not to respond to, I wouldn't have to worry about that. Like that's a cool thing. But let me tell you again how stories cause problems, right? In police world, there's a story of an idea called the thin blue line, right? These officers see themselves as like this line between uh, the community, like the good people, however they think about it, and like all these criminals, right? And they are just the blue line that separates like chaos to order. And if they weren't there, chaos 
and and order would just be ah, be bananas. And thank God there's that thin blue line. Like that's what you see when you see the American flag with the blue line on it. That's what it stands for. It's the thin blue line thing. And like that story's stupid as hell. Like it assumes like we'd just be purging it up if there was no police officers, and that is completely not the case. If you think that people are out there doing horrible things that would just like be assaulting and murdering everybody like left and right, if there was no police officers, that's utterly ridiculous. Because currently, if we all started doing that right now, there's not enough police officers to stop us. Like we could just start robbing and stealing and assaulting and whatever as much as we possibly want because there's not enough of them to stop all of us if we wanted to do it. But it assumes like there's this base carnal thing within us that would want to do that all the time over and over again, which I'm like, what a messed up way to think about your neighbors. <sighs> like that's how you feel about the people you serve? Like unless you were there, they'd just be these like animals like stealing and taking and hurting each other over and over again, but it's like only these laws that like, thank goodness that you're around, thank goodness these laws exist, otherwise we just all do these terrible things. No, that's not how this works. The community enforces most of the things. The community enforces most of the problem. If the community didn't make a difference, why would the Phoenix police, why would any police department appreciate a block watch program? Block watch programs are really a preventative measure to help people kind of keep an eye with what's going on and what's happening. Sometimes block watch programs can be problematic because people are calling the police way too often on somebody just walking through the neighborhood, too. So I'm not saying there's not problematics, right? But to think that the community isn't part of making sure that there's peace in the space that you stay is utterly ridiculous. That notion is stupid. But they believe this story so much, it shapes their reality in some really dangerous ways. Right in Atlanta, when that uh, when I oh god I can't remember his name right now, uh, but when the guy in the drive-through got shot, and then they arrested the officer for shooting the dude in the back as he was leaving. Again, where's the threat? He's leaving. You didn't need to shoot the fleeing person. Like. What they chose to do is a whole bunch of officers chose to call in sick with what was called the blue flu. Because they believe this story of the thin blue line. If they don't show up, all hell's gonna break loose. And like, we're just gonna rip each other apart. So when that didn't happen, cause it didn't throughout this little blue flu thing, all it did is it strengthened that argument for defund the police and refund the community, which again, I think we need to add here. But do you see how stories are so powerful? Because that story of the thin blue line, like, is really going to hurt the police narrative. Because we didn't go bananas. We're not just all horrible people trying to kill and murder each other. You don't even need to be religious to be a nice person. Like, most people aren't trying to do horrible things. Like, if, if most people were trying to do horrible things, there would be much more horrible actions. Most people don't even speed that bad. I mean, we do speed. But not terrible. Like, we want to believe in certain things. We want to see a new vision and a new opportunity for reality. But we're so bad at speaking it into existence because we don't have words to take us for the place that we need to go. And it's funny because I devote a lot of my life to like standing in the room sweating in my hotter uh, bedroom trying to think about these ideas and it's funny because I spend a lot of time like just recording and editing but I spend so much more time thinking and pondering so I can explain how we can get there 
right? Like, I think we need more stories of where we want to go, who we want to be, and what that reality would look like. And then I want to find ways to tell those stories more and more, right? I want to tell those visions. Like, I'm hoping one day someone's like, okay, weirdo, rowdy, inclusive activist, help us tell some stories about this new world you want to see. Like, wouldn't you want to watch a TV show? Like, reimagining how we could live in community, reimagining how we could be a peaceful community, reimagining how we can make sure that we took care of people enough that there wouldn't be, like, crime? Because, like, when kind of people have the things that they need, again, like, back in the tribal days, people weren't, like, robbing their own tribe all the time. Was there intertribal conflict? Yes, from time to time. But, like, Sometimes intertribal conflict was like stealing something off each other's like horse or whatever to show that like you're sneaky. It wasn't like killing people all the time. Killing people was really rare because there wasn't tons of people around. So you can't afford to kill all these people all the time. Like they're skirmishes at best. And they didn't happen that often, but they seem to happen a lot because we tell those stories a lot. We don't tell the stories of like everyday life all the time. We don't tell the stories of how everybody looked out for each other. We didn't tell the stories about how even when you were old, we found a role for you to make sure that you could help people. We don't tell the story of like, wouldn't it be great to have like old people around young people so they could watch each other, so the young people can learn from the old people, and the, the young people can help the old people with the physical things that they can't, done, can't get done. Like, that's the way it always worked. We were always multi-generational families. This is the way things happened before. Everybody, like everybody was indigenous at one point. I don't care how white you were. You came from a tribe of people. And this is how things happened. And we like did things okay. I'm not saying like it was perfect. But we didn't see systemic like racism. We didn't see systemic, uh, we didn't see like patriarchy. We didn't see oligarchy. We didn't see people like using each other as much. You can't use like your neighbor over and over again because they know your name and you're like right next to them, right? They're, we just need a little bit more us and a little, little, bit, little bit less me, a lot more we, a little bit less me. And when we're looking out for each other, we have this story of all these people that are on our side. Like the reason I don't have to worry about a lot of things is because I got a big us. I got a lot of we of people that'll help me out if I need assistance. And that's because I show up for you a lot. And I try to still tell stories that help you. And I try to tell you things and ideas to help you think, to consider things differently. Like I try to give you language so when you have these difficult conversations with folks, you can say, wouldn't it be nice if like police officers got paid for peace? That's what we're talking about. Defund means refund the community. You need this language because at first people are gonna get freaked out. Like, at first, people are going to, what are we going to do when the shooter guy comes? And there's no police. Like, we don't have a story for that yet, really. And we need to think of the story that helps people understand what would happen in that space. Like, like here's a small example. It's so misogynistic to think, like, everybody's just going to love the idea of, like, no police, given, like, the amount of, like, folks that have experienced, like, assault and sexual assault. Like, sometimes, like, those folks help those people in those situations, and unless you can tell a story of what this new world looks like and how this new world will be and how this new world uh, will eliminate those problems, because it is possible to eliminate those problems, like, rape is not about sex. It's about power and control. And, like, it means there's something wrong and something unhealthy up there. Happy people don't do that stuff. 
happy people don't beat people like to crap that's not what happy people do like we gotta look out for each other and try to like look out for each other's well-being and be there for one another and that's the action we need to tell this is the reason why inclusive activism the podcast is something that's important to me it's this is why like these things matter and we gotta find better ways to actionize the stories we're looking to tell right like when we talk about like like stuff with classism we're like well let's you know like kill the rich i'm like well i don't know if i want to kill them i just don't know that you need like more thing more money than you could ever spend and we helped you get there we helped you be that successful and i feel like kicking some of that back to the people that helped you get there is important you see how much easier that that idea is to like take like we need to find ways to tell these stories better. And I need your help in telling these stories better. Because one of the things that's been really heartening is I'm seeing the power of everybody. Like, it's funny because I hear people go, well, you shouldn't post your anti-racist efforts on social media. Like, part of the reason all this change has happened so fast is because everybody's saying it on social media, which is really kind of the only public square that we have right now. People are on board so much now because they don't want to be seen like as someone that doesn't care and is getting left behind. Like there is power in making statements. There is power in showing your good work. Like there's power in saying, you're doing a good job, you're evolving, you're becoming a better person. You should cheer people on for that. I have people say, well, you shouldn't like, you know, pat me, have to pat me on the back for being anti-racist. I disagree. Like, I want to see you pat people on the back for being anti-racist. Like, if there's no rewards, if there's no, like, like benefit to help people evolve and become more whole and celebration of their new healing, then why would they want to change in the first place? It's too easy to sit back in your privilege and do anything. Trust me, I know I'm a dude. I can just do nothing about anything that deals with anything other than men, but I still choose to anyway, because every time I do so, I heal, and I get better, and I get better, and then I get better at helping other people, and then I get better at healing other people, and then when everybody starts healing around me, like, we are seeing, we start to see we're not so different. We're starting to see that we have the capacity to be there for each other like for me i can articulate my purpose in a very clear way which i love that pull fade and how that works i work really hard to heal others and as i work really hard to heal others i find that i heal myself a little bit on the way and as i heal myself a little bit along the way we start to understand that we are in community and once we realize we're in community, we realize we have the power to make the world a better place. That's it, right? I heal others, which heals myself, which makes us feel like we're a part of a community, what makes us work together for a better world. In everything I try to do, I try to have these four things circle around that idea. And in it, I become more whole. I become more happy. I figure out ways to tell stories to take us to the place that we want to go. I figure out stories that help us heal. I figure out stories that helps take us to the new place, to, to take us to the new opportunity, to find a new way of doing things, uh, to find ways for people to be happier. Like, so much of like this anti-ist work I do is because the more the work you do, the better person you become. The happier you become, the more whole you are the more like you can own your faults and flaws because you know it's impossible to be perfect with this stuff. We're all in the process, but there's beauty in the process. 
And the fact that we keep trying to become more beautiful in the process means that like, we'll never stop being more beautiful and more whole people. But it's hard work and it takes effort. And we need to think of ways to make the new items actionable. You cannot do a don't. We gotta find the new do. We gotta find the new way. We gotta tell this new story in a better opportunity. And we gotta invite people to come along with us. Hey, come on, you don't wanna miss out. This is gonna be amazing. It wouldn't be the same without you there. Think of how that story resonates. That's the story we need to tell. So with that, uh, this has been Rowdy the Inclusive Activist, and I appreciate your thoughts and opinions. I have heard from a few different folks. Um, I heard from, I think it's Peter, and Peter was saying that he wants me to do a podcast talking about how, like, we can't say all people are bad, right? Like, some people will say, like, all men are trash. So I'm going to look into doing a podcast, like, on all men are trash or, like, all white people are stupid, um, or like everybody that's rich is a terrible person, right? Like we're going to do, do a podcast talking about the difference between behavior and we're going to do a podcast of the difference of, cause like people aren't just their behaviors. Like it's part of who they are over and over, but again, like that evolves. So that's going to be something that we look at. Uh, I've heard from, uh, Misty who's talked about, uh, the, the pain of the same with me. And a lot of folks have talked about how the pain of the same has really resonated with them and that they realize that they're just sitting on some nails. Maybe it's time to get on some nails and do something different, right? Remember? All that pain. Like, you just got to choose something different. Like, the opportunity of something different, something that's amazing. So with that, if you can share the podcast um, on any uh, podcast platform, um, rate and review the podcast, that really makes a big difference. I put a lot of time into this. And if you just shared this one with one other person, it helps me find ways to tell that story better. That, I'm not even asking for money. I'm just asking for you to help me echo my voice to new spaces and places. Help me with that. And if there's something that you're like, well, I don't know how to tell the story with this, email me, inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. Right? And what you can do is you can just record a voice memo on your phone and then email me the voice memo, and then I can like have a conversation with you, which would be super dope. Because, like, I'm trying to help you, and I'm trying to heal you, and I need your healing because I got a lot of stuff to fix, right? But share the thoughts and ideas and help me spread this out here and help me find a way to tell a new story because I need ways to tell new stories. And without your help, I'm just a dude talking to himself, looking at himself in a computer in a room, sweating away when it's 104, and I'm trying to do something a lot more important with that. So with that, thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again.